Dermot, man, so good to see you. Oh, gosh, thanks, Rob. I appreciate you having me on your super popular show. Hey, everybody. It is literally with me, Rob Lowe. Yeah, this guy, this guy. If I have to hear one more story from my wife about how hot Dermot Moroni is, it could end. It, it could, one of Hollywood's longest running marriages could end over Dermot Moroni. I mean, look, not that I disagree with her. I mean, look at the man. Um, he's something else, but, but he's here today. Yes, he is. And I'm going to get to the bottom of all things Dermot Moroni related. He's one of the nicest guys ever. Let's get to it. This has been the most fun. I got to tell you, I love doing this show. I love, if you go through the library, you'll see all kinds of people you've worked with and you know, and they're super fun. I know I don't hardly have I, I, I would spend all day um, <laughs> listening to you and, and reading uh, what you've written, if I could. Um, but I haven't quite <laughs> squeezed it in yet. I don't know if you're recording or whatever, but I can speak oh. volumes about your first volume, which I know I touched on when I met you, um, which really, really s- struck me and I thought was brilliant writing. And I think about it so frequently. The writing of your first book, I'm sorry with the title, but your memoirs. Rob, Stories I only tell my friends. Gosh, it uh, really stuck with me and uh, it really meant a lot to me when I was reading it. I uh, kind of like compared and, and knew some of those feelings and uh, just thought you had such a, you did such a great job of breaking in, um, you know. Great story Thank to you. tell. I really appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. And uh, it's so nice. I always love when people have read the books and because um, it really is when you write your 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 story, you know, your memoir, it's you, you know, and yeah. we work mostly in a, such a collaborative media, medium that anything good that we've ever done, there've been a thousand hands making us look good, right? Yeah. And, but when it's when it's a book, it's it's all you for better or for worse, right? Well, really, in your case, in the way you write, I mean, I don't know how else to put it. The writing of your writing is also really good. You're telling a great story, but the way you wrote it really touched me, Rob. So, oh, thank uh, you. I have a, for sure. I have a great photo of you, me, and Dylan McDermott. <laughs> it's the best photo. that I posted it on my Instagram. It's, it's, it is such a great photo. That, I know like, the photo. I know the, uh, the flyby moment that you created. Uh, when Dylan and I were pretty much for the first time uh, seated at a restaurant, um, having a, a hell of a time. So um, how did because swapping you know, uh, stories? You got to tell me because like um, so my, one of my best friends, uh, God bless him, passed away a couple years ago. Bill Paxton was you, always he, he was the best, and he, he was too, always, a role model and an idol of mine as an actor in the how right. He, how he comported oh, himself. Everybody just, loved Bill. Such a everybody loved, yeah. loved him. Yeah, but and he was always. Um, everybody was a go, wait, Bill Pullman? No. Or Bill Paxson? And like, but people did all the time. And, and sometimes you have that with, with, no. with, uh, with, I right? hate to say, those are Bills. So that's different. That's like, that that's is like different. Being another Rob in a room happens all the time. I know. Dylan and Dermot, it's, it, it's a different category, similar, but I think they're actually with the Bills, Paxton and Pullman and others in there. 
they're confusing them with each other. That is not the case with Dylan and I. They're just mixing up our names. They know precisely that I'm me and he's him. It's just it's, it's a name yeah. mix up. So, yeah. so when you had your when you had your uh, when you finally met yeah. and hashed it all out, how was it? Just two ways of telling the story. Um, I could go from the first meeting, uh, and I've told that one before, or I could tell you that really he, he finally uh, he finally gave in and 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 cast me on his TV show. Amazing. <laughs> He finally let his guard down and let me inside the castle. Um, yes. So I appeared on that super popular Fox sitcom called L.A. to Vegas. Oh, that's right. It was a situational comedy. And you were the pilot, though, right? I was the I was the uh, rival pilot. I flew international. Oh, see, and that's and that's he was just doing the that pe- junk run L.A. to Vegas. So I was that's like a stat, a step above him. Um, I remember when that show came out, I, I was going, and these are the, only the lessons you know, having st- starred in many shows that bomb, of which I've certainly had more than my share, oh, where you go- Oh, Rob, you're such a great leading man. Go on. Well, you're nice to say it, but I believe me, there there's many a dud. And you go, I, I go, I wonder how long it's going to take them to realize they've got to get off those planes. And how quickly <laughs> are they going to get off those? And, and, like, I just- and sure enough, they're like, how quick can we get out of this fuselage? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was there a, a, a few days, and um, we had a, a boxing match and toe-to-toe pilots showing down, and all of within which, of course, there was, you know, this this subtext between Dylan McDermott and Dermot Mulroney. Um, I being the which is it? That see, I always mix up the former and the latter. Anyway, I'm the second one. Um, That's right. That day, come to think of it, I don't know. Here I'm telling out of school a little, Dylan. Oh, you time- got it. You got to tell out of school. Come on, <laughs> let's take him down. Yeah, I love him. Let me just say that deeply. And um, he, he at the time he had a couple of, you know, kind of quirky, quirky habits. One's chapstick. You've seen it. A lot of people have it. You oh, know, I have. But-, a fr- but by the way, certain people are are, are addicted to it. Addicted to chapstick. Um, I have a friend who's addicted to it. I won't comment anymore on that. Probably shouldn't have mm-hmm. at all. But the other bears on my experience with Dylan. He enjoys a little um, uh, a kombucha. Maybe after a whole scene's over or something, someone would bring bring him one. I might have some. I don't know some still water from a bottle or hopefully kombucha. You know. Yeah. And so he says, "Here, you ought, you ought to try some of this after we're done shooting an active day, um, com- comedy acting." Um, so I did. I tried some. I had probably a good, you know, low ball glass full of it. Middle of the night, I wake up. It's coming out of both ends. I'm not supposed to have kombucha. I don't know how I found that out. And there wouldn't. He tried. Dylan McDermott tried to poison me. Tried to poison you. Backstage That's not good. at Fox Studios. So I drag my decimated ass into the stage the next day. Uh, and have to like sort of strip down and have a boxing match with the guy. So he almost... You know, he almost, no, he was he doing almost you a favor. But no, you know, really, what it did, it made me real slim. Real I was slim gonna say, <laughs> he was, he was, he knew the next day he had to have his shirt off, and he was just, you know, instead just of help, doing a colonic, just helping, he was, just helping a dermot out. Just, just help a dermot out. Um, <laughs> hey, well, just, the truth be told, uh, I never met an American man named Dermot until in recent years. One of them has two T's. One pronounces it Dermot. So I'm still. 
the only one that I know of. And we also all know that we couldn't have the name McDermott. We couldn't have a Dylan McDermott without Dermott. So he knows that. We're square on that. In fact, I proposed to him, and we are indeed um, going to get married. I think you should. Yes. I think it's, I think it's a career move at this point. He said um, yes. So you were... I got a story for you. So you're you're in you were in Young Guns. Yeah. Two or one? No, Young Guns one. I didn't make Young it Guns to one. the final credits. Um, yeah, that's right. So stop me if you've heard this. I might have gl- uh, glanced. The day they announced that there was a a Young Guns two green light on the next movie. Yes. Was that day? It was the day Did they, they shot were shooting you? me. Yeah. They like oh, stopped bro, at lunch that... and everybody said, "Stop! Stop! Cut!" Hey, great news just come in from Los Angeles. We've got a sequel. People are riding around bucking horses while they're oh. rigging me for squibs to take me out of the sequel. Couldn't Same you have said, can, can you make my wound more like a, a wound instead of a death shot? <laughs> I you suggested a, shot a, a evil twin that come back at some sort of doppelganger in a, in a dream tweak. They wouldn't fall for Damn it. Damn it. Well, um, my wife was the makeup artist. We were not married at the time. Cheryl. She was the makeup and Cheryl, and boy, so all of you people I, I, out there- I know and uh, love your wife. I've seen her once since that time, but we were all there. We all know how beautiful and what an incredibly formative um, experience that was. So bless her. Will you please give her my deepest, honest, and love? I know I precisely. Will. I remember everything, how beautiful she she- and what a, what a big- part of um of making that movie she was in that whole trailer Jeannie Van Few who uh, designed Dirty Steve's makeup who I got to work with a few times and so bless you all that were there Cheryl that was a great so all of all the studs of all of the young guns and there were a lot of young guns for the, the my listeners this the one that everybody thought was the hottie above all was my guest today forget the charlie sheens forget the emilio estevez's forget the lou diamond phillips forget the tom cruise coming in for a day and hiding under makeup to be an extra forget all of them there was only one hottie that everyone coveted and it was you my fine sir and i tip my cap to you Uh, well rob i was really following i'm snapping at your heels following in a path that you had cut Four young leading men in Hollywood. So uh, they gave me an end around by giving me a couple of great early character roles to disguise the fact that I was, um, as you uh, are, uh, a leading man, uh, like a longtime companion in Where the Day Takes You. So I, I went in under the disguise of being like a character actor and was so yeah. blessed with incredibly diverse, kind of uh, really incredible roles. Um you know, you were the first wave. You broke down the bastion of ancient old Hollywood. You and your cronies and your Malibu ranch types. That's um, right, and baby. And I'll say thanks uh, because it really was a trail being blazed by you guys when, for the first time, Hollywood had 19-year-old men and girls, pretty in pink, risky business, all of that right then. Ferris Bueller, your work, yeah, uh, uh, just in, just incredible. Um, the films, and uh, they, they let me in. Thanks to you, really. They were looking for more guys like you. Longtime Companion is such a great um, movie and so ahead of its time. Oh Incredible. my God! And if you were to watch it again today, it it, it could have been. It's timeless. Wow! It's, it's absolutely timeless. You you said time at least two or three times already talking about Longtime Companion, <laughs> and that's one of the things that made it a magical film, even if it was a about some other 
a topic in an, in a group that interrelated so closely as these men did in that story. But the thing I pointed out before is it's an eight-year history leading up to the present for when the film comes out. So at the end of that movie, you're grieving the loss of eight or nine years of friends and family. And, and we're, we're where we are today. When that movie came out, it came up to the day at a... I guess I'm explaining in a clunky way, but I think that always set that film aside. And then, of course, the incredible acting from that cast, Campbell Scott, Bruce Davison, of course, was um, awarded the Oscar for saying goodbye to Mark Lamos in that scene that stuck with all of us forever. It's amazing when an actor has not only a performance or a movie, but has a scene in a performance in a movie where you go, oh, yeah, like I always, I always remember Christ- Christoph Waltz in Inglorious Bastards, yeah. that opening sequence where yeah. I turned to Cheryl watching. He said, He's winning the Oscar this year, oh. and and he, he he did. You know, uh, no. there are just times when you. Hey, well, here's to you, Rob. I'm gonna I'm gonna get your phone number, and uh, when you when I see you in that scene, I'm gonna text you and say you did it. They gave you one, so keep your eyes out and go get one. I'm looking too. I'm yeah. Listen, if you find one, let me know, please. Oh, um, by the way, since we're on it, um, I just watched um, All Quiet on the Western Front. Have you seen it yet? What an incredible movie! Yes, yeah, I worked yeah. with that um, producer, um, and uh, th- th- yeah, oh. go on. No, just that's definitely. I mean, it won the BAFTA. Well, that's how movies should be made, and um, and just that kind of commitment. You can only imagine how you. Uh, yeah, get in there and do that. Yep. Hey, I was looking over your some facts about you, and it says that your your mom was a regional theater actress. I started in regional theater. Yeah, I know. Talk, did she ever tell you stories about regional theater? Regional theater is amazing, yeah. and, I'm, I, and I'm wondering... When I was a kid growing up in Ohio, yeah. it was the only place we got to do like serious, you know, work. What was her yeah. life like? As did, you, did she ever share any of her stories or about what yeah. that was like for her? It, it's incredible. The, the biggest volume of her acting she did after she was 40. Uh, every year she'd do a play in the local town where we summer in the Cape Cod <clears throat> or in my hometown in Alexandria. Um my mom's story, she was a theater student at University of Iowa. And then, Rob, you won't believe it, for two years she was in the repertory company at the Cleveland Playhouse. It's about 1955 and 1956. We're right in there um, after college. From whence she went to New York, eventually met my dad, and life continued. But she was uh, a regional actress in your uh, in your home, in your home ta- in town Ohio. theater. It was yeah. huge. Regional theater was was massive, massive, yeah. massive. Where I when I grew up, and absolutely. And I know that from your memoir, and uh, that that made that attached me to your storyline even more. So so it's it's so cool that you because of my mom's experience and her experience always played kind of real quietly, but in the background as a curiosity or a hey, my mom went. Oh, you know what the big thing was at that same season. Um, I think they, she did As You Like It. And in that cast was Dom DeLuise. So for us, it was crazy that we were oh. that close to greatness that my mom had once been in a play with the guy that's in the Burt Reynolds movie. Listen, when I was a kid, I saw Dom DeLuise. Yeah. I saw Dom DeLuise in, in, in regional theater doing 
a musical I've never heard of since called Under the Yum Yum Tree. <laughs> but you'll so never I forget love, it, right? No, but I love that you, like, the, Dom DeLuise was clearly killing it in the early 70s. He yeah. was doing uh, Shakespeare one summer and then Under the Yum Yum Tree. Ah, and the, yeah, the next... and, and Cannonball Run just on his off season, right? Right. Ah, oh. incredible. So that was sort of our viewpoint of celebrity or something so remote yet it, it had brushed my mom right and then yes. in college right ahead of me was a group of actors that went directly to snl that was uh julie louis dreyfus and uh wow. and uh and brad hall her husband one or two other names sorry so um but they immediately went to like fame on tv instantly that was the yes. peak place for comedy obviously still still is but so that kind of rolled me twice. I had a couple of things that reflected like it's it's that close. It's right there. Yeah. I, Julia Louis Dreyfus, for sure, the yeah. most successful actor in the history of television. For, for sure, she's never been in anything that wasn't a hit. She's, I mean, obviously she has Seinfeld. Then she does yeah, right the now. the new adventures of Old Christine. Ran for like five years. Uh, right, you forget yeah, about that one. That was, that was a big hit though. And uh, then of, of course. course Veep legendary 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 i mean she's just just what what a, what a she's a killer of course of course and uh her um film work in the last couple of years of course is stellar she touched in the mcu um and yeah. she was in that same comedy troupe that i was in an improv troupe at northwestern um so that was how close wow. i mean so what i'm describing to you is is like snapshots that i had where it made it realistic that it could it could be because I wasn't anywhere near it, and I wasn't really aiming at being a film or uh, you know a TV actor, but there it was, you know. Same, I, I, because we grew up in 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 areas where it was only theater. Yeah. Like I just assumed I would go to New York and be a theater actor, and only because my folks divorced and ended up in California. Because of the divorce, <laughs> did I end up. You know, auditioning for there's no theater to audition for in LA. There still isn't. Still isn't really. But do I remember Um, that you had a uh, that somebody had already spotted you that you were in a play or an agent had seen you or a teacher? Yeah, you know, it's the best. So there, (laughs) there, there was a a professional touring group in Ohio called the Kenley Players. I've talked about them a couple of times before, and I love the notion of the Kenley Players. And it, it would be like. Henry Winkler, on his hiatus of playing Fonzie, would do Streetcar Named Desire in yeah. Flint and Cincinnati. And, you know, and, and clearly these guys came in for, you know, four weeks, made a fortune, drank their way through the Midwest, part did whatever they were doing and had laughs and get, got to do the parts of their dreams. It was so clearly was what it was. Now, I, looking back at it yeah. now, yeah. I know exactly what it was. But then, to would me, you go I was out, like, would you go out now if that was still going on? Would you go do you know what I think I on the road and might. do? Uh, okay. Okay. So they offer Hello, you. Or something. I'm going to call you right now, and I'd be like, "All right, bro. Here's the thing. You got to take got a, this amount. There's this much money in the bag. That's and right. We're going Here, to Cincinnati. Here's the bag. Rob, I am on that tour bus with you. Right? Yeah. I think. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, should we do guys and dolls? How about? See, well, here's the thing. They were always like, like raucous cl- crowd pleasers. Because oh, which, which are do, those then? Let's I would want to do like True West with you. Oh, now see that. Do you know what I mean? Well, that's what's frustrating about you, Rob, because you, damn it, it's right in there, and you've done everything, everything, uh, everything else. So 
That's all you but have, I, have I think to I, do. I think I have to play like, you know, <laughs> like um, uh, Fagan in, uh, you know, um, Oliver. Like that's that's what they want. Yeah, come on. You did not say that. Can I please tell my Fagan and Oliver story? Please. Which was also extreme, extremely formative. If you tell me you saw Vincent Price play no, Fagan, I'm going to. No. That's what was, I saw. It was in my high school. And uh, it was, I, I got to add this. In the fall, we did um, uh, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, and of course, totally I true. wanted to be Atticus Finch. And they cast me as Jem Finch. I was 12. Mm. 12 years old. And I played that. I, I trooped my way through it. And I hated every minute of it because I was small. And I was playing a little kid. And I was a senior in high school. Yeah, you wanted to play so, the So, uh, senior yeah. spring, the show was going to be Oliver, which I listened to that album flip side until it was worn out yep never wanted to be oliver wanted to be artful dodger but for that play i was going to play fagin it's my senior year or i'm not playing anything at all and the teacher didn't give me the part come on and so i wasn't in that and uh even more to my uh balancing moment in life i sat in the pen orchestra and i played cello for the guy who was playing fagin See now, so, this is this is thank you for that's how you me. learn. You sometimes. are an accomplished cellist. I think I was aware of it, but I didn't realize that you also play on soundtracks. Like when they have yeah. orchestras, you come in and you play. Yeah, uh, I, and you tell tell us the movies that you're on the score of. Well, I'm on the score of about two dozen movies. So that's among insane. them are the following: um, at least two of the Planet of the Apes. Two Mission Impossibles, I think I play on three and four. Um, uh, Inside and Out, Incredibles 2, Coco, if you can imagine being in that room while they recorded that Central American musical theme. These are all composed by Michael Cicchino, who I became friends with after he wrote the score for Family Stone. Man, my mm. head's even spinning, Rob. I'm so blessed. And uh, I kind of challenged him. I could play you, sure. And he had me come in and he had me play. It's, I was 18 years ago. I looked it up. And uh, so I sit in an orchestra with uh, eight or 10 other cellists who are some of the best like recording cellists in the world, of yeah. course. Oh, and therefore yeah. probably ringers. some of the ringers, right? Ringers. So it, it, it has each, uh, I played for two weeks recording this incredible wall-to-wall, end-to-end of the movie soundtrack for Rogue One, a Star Wars story. So- I'm playing music. I played on two of the Jurassic World movies. So I'm playing themes written by John Williams that are composed again and arranged by Michael Cicchino and his amazing crew and engineers and recordists and musicians. And I know all these people. It's my second career. Um, That's in a, spectacular. In a way. That is... uh, recently, uh, I even played for another composer. I've played for a few others when it's kind of happened. Mark Irwin, the storied and, and award-winning composer who's done everything i had me in to play a session for an upcoming uh, peacock show that i appear in um wow. so that was incredible michael Giacchino's movies are all big blastbusters i've never been in those <laughs> so uh, uh those well, are you, the, you can say you're in them i mean you can say you're well you're, i'll never it's on for, your imdb baby uh, i'll never forget it, it uh, for correction there it has me listed as soloist on rogue one i am not mr steven gosh i think i could get his last name is our principal cellist. He played that. And nowhere else is it all listed at Wes One because they're not all captured on, on IMDb, the scores that I've participated in. So That's I insane. even played I... with Michael Cicchino, 
last Thursday in session with just nine other players. There's one cellist, me. He had me in to play just a few soft accompanying, um, like mid-tone parts for a an album that I'm not supposed to talk about. So uh, if you can believe it. Yeah. Well, I had, you'll appreciate this. My favorite day on the West Wing was the day that Yo-Yo Ma played all day long. Yeah. He played all day long and I sat, I had no dialogue. Oh God. Um, I, I just get to sit and the camera would like eventually push into all of our reaction yeah. shots. Wow. And to, and, and, you know, to beat, it was never been, has it been easier to be emotional when you have Yo-Yo Ma sitting right there yeah. doing his thing and oh, the camera's pushing in on your face. I thought this is heaven. It's a dream. I saw it. Thank you. I'm going to um, recruit you now, please. Um, I saw Yo-Yo Ma play when he was probably in his early 20s, just out of Juilliard with the National Symphony. I sat just below him. I'm a teenage cellist. I'm 16 or 17. And it changed my world. So uh, I followed him, of course, all along. Recently, I told uh, someone that uh, I was going to play the, the Vivaldi double cello concerto with him and they said oh yeah when and i said i don't know because he doesn't know about it yet <laughs> um but so maybe you'll help uh bring awareness to that also that little side project I'm gonna, which I'm is to try finally to make that group up and i know that we can do it for a good purpose because he seems to be truly driven um to do good for people with his music and that's the thing that i most admire about him can i add this that um, John Wells and his lovely wife, uh, Marilyn, were so kind to invite me and Prima to see Yo-Yo Ma from their box in at the Hollywood Bowl. This is just about three years ago because they knew I played. And so uh, we were uh, uh, stunned and so thrilled to be their guest. Of course, I worked with them on Shameless and uh, on August Osage County. But isn't it funny that you you were with John Wells listening to Yo-Yo Ma too? Yes. Yeah. And uh you know, Yo-Yo Ma has played for every president since Kennedy. It's kind of an amazing... And with every ethnicity and every music type almost known to humankind, he has, he was put here to do that. And I I, I really yeah, it's, it's can't even speak further to it. It's otherworldly. It's beautifully he, um, put. So his cello, he told a st story. He, he probably tells about uh, the famous story. You know, he left it in the back of a cab yeah. once. Yeah. Can you I imagine? Do. I, do. I do. Rob, I ran over my cello. Oh. In high school. I still have it. It's the same cello I've had since I was 14 or maybe 15. I was going to ask you, do you have the same cello? I, I do. It's upstairs because I just played it the other day. Uh, same cello. But this is before he left his in the cab. I'm in high school. Oh, I forgot something. I put it in park. <laughs> you know, I need the keys for the trunk. I run back in yeah. the house. I get in the, put it in reverse and the car rises up on the old hard cello case. No, not no. a scratch. <laughs> oh yes. And yes. Uh, and uh, so yeah, I was meant to continue playing the cello, and I still am because I have yet to play with Maestro Ma. The you know the other you have so many great movies I love, but dude, so everybody had been telling me over the years you have to see Living in Oblivion, you have to see Living in Oblivion, you have to. It's one of those movies. That go no no no, I know I'm gonna. You know when people you know you're gonna like a movie. Yeah. You know you are. Yeah. It's not like you're procrastinating on it. You know, like, this is in my wheelhouse. I know I'm going to like it, but I just haven't gotten around to it. Yeah. I finally did a few oh. years ago. That movie, 
is amazing. Wow. That it, movie is, it is amazing. It's been too many years that I haven't seen it, but I know it's amazing because really it's in the top four or five of movies that people come up to me about. If I'm anywhere near yeah. a film set, that goes skyrocketing up to number two. Um, it's the best what movie that guy's about- going to come over and say, hey, you know that other movie? I'm like, yes, I do. He might have his earphones around his head or like a radio clip to his belt or a yes. bullhorn. And you're like, yeah, yeah, you don't have to say, I get it, I get it. Living in oblivion. It might be the best movie about filmmaking. Well, if you really want to know the foibles yeah. and the, and the uh, what is it? What What's the phrase I'm looking for? Oh, it's sort of, um, <laughs> it's that great Jerry Maguire line. It's like, it's, it's the... Uh, it, 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 the, the, the horrible things about filmmaking that, that nobody will ever, will ever tell you about. That yeah. is the one. It's all it, it's just... It is something else. That is from the frustrated mind and brilliant mind of Tom DiCillo who had made a movie called um, Johnny Swade that is that offbeat choice that suddenly out of Thelma and Louise, Brad Pitt chose to do. Tom cast Catherine at the time, my wife, in Catherine that. So, the great Catherine Keener. The great yes. Catherine Keener. They co-starred in that and remain friends to this day. Besties of all time. And um, uh, that's where I met Tom. Tom was trying to get Box of Moonlight made, which wound up being made third. With John Turturro starring in that in a brilliant performance of Sam Rockwell supporting. I have a little role. B- because he couldn't get finance after a successful film with Brad Pitt and he just sat down and he wrote this super like anxiety dream uh, uh, short movie uh, about about the most disastrous day you could ever think of on a film set that was made into a brilliant short uh, in black and white if you recall I think so it was, that was a short a, before it was a movie yeah and that you know, was just of, short ends like borrowed like used film and yeah. six months later we regrouped and put two more th- dreams where nick rev course in french rev is dream but nick is the character steve buscemi masterfully performed in that is the so he wakes up three times from it being a dream uh, uh you know a, a, you know an anxiety dream uh that's so good noise that the music on the street everything the the boom man with the clock you know with the fave a fave clock who wants to get a frame line Every time anybody says anything about, can I get a frame line, frame line? Yeah. on any set I've ever been on since, about six people just crack up. Yeah, it's it's. I'm going to use that tomorrow. On, uh, I'm going to go back to Lone Star. I'm going to look at the guys and go frame line and see if they see if they left. Rob, when, I got um, to tell you, I'm going to even interrupt you because I know uh, I've been wanting to talk to you. So this is really amazing. And I didn't expect that I'd be on your podcast, although, you know, I'm out shilling a franchise movie. So- who knew right. I Which might we, do we some, will get to. We will get to. Some podcast with somebody. I'm so thrilled it's you. I just learned about it the other day. But you brought up movies that people have said, yeah, and you're like, yeah, yeah, I know. It's a great movie. I love it. And if I ever saw it, I, that, I didn't clock it the way I did when I, I saw The Outsiders a month ago <laughs> with my teenage daughters. Oh, boy. So I'm coming into this like really full really full of your talent and how beautiful that film is. I know you wrote about it so eloquently in the, in the time you had in Tulsa. Um, so I'm watching it sort of reverse engineered. I know about reading mm-hmm. your book while I'm watching that movie through the eyes of an adolescent kid. And let me tell you, you guys, 
I got choke in my throat. You're so beautiful. Oh, it's all you guys, Ralph and Tommy. It's it's incredible what you did and what the camera did with you. And you guys are leaning on each other, and it's so organic. And your faces are gorgeous. And can I please, if you will, allow me to suggest that that was a cutting off point. That was the beginning of a time and an end of a time, right there with those Coppola movies, Rumble Fish. Um, yeah. where the youth was taking over. It was our yeah. time to come in. So, yep. and it got hard on the old guys about four or five years later when you guys were still in charge and Tom Cruise had done Top Gun. Yep. And they were like, wait, I'm not so sure about this. And then they kind of just chalked all you up to uh, to being too successful or dare I say too pretty or too, too this, too that, too something when all y'all were frocking it and you were paving the way, but you were, blowing down doors and putting those old men to bed so guess what now bro <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're the we're on the other side we're of the it. old men so step aside yeah, you see I, these kids I, getting these parts when i see tim timothy chalamet get a good part i was gonna say and, timothy and, chalamet and I, I was gonna and say do you the same actually thing. feel like jealousy rob yes do you have like the remnant of like yes. coveting that role i, I oh i i go <laughs> i i go I could. I would have so loved. It's insanity to be in the Baz Luhrmann, Elvis. Ah, uh, they missed you. Casting carousel, and yeah. I, I just know I yeah. never would have gotten it. But boy, would I have loved. No, have but they almost they almost stopped there, and then this second wave came in, of which being the reason they went to Chicago and look at students to see who was next was because of you guys, and you know, and like Chad Nelson and Andrew McCarthy. And yeah, all those all other those blue-eyed boys. And you know what? They finally needed they needed a brown-eyed guy. So they went and they got me. Been here ever since. And then, and then, and then what guys. did they do? They put they put dirt all over your face and young guns. <laughs> I mean, what the living hell. Uh yeah, yeah. Well, that helped me um really stay. Um, if you mean dirt on my face for dirty Steven Young Guns or any other, I've been doing it since, although it's getting a little old. How are you feeling about that? I mean, the sticky blood or feeling like cold I'm g- in a scene I'm that good, night? I'm good, baby. You know, I had a, I've had two. How cold have you been on a set recently? I'm cold all the time now. Oh, are you? Is that, is that an age thing? Yeah. It's surprising. I'm not, it's only on Zoom that I'm not wearing my, um, what do you call it? A neck gaiter. That's how I roll at home. The neck gaiter. Okay. I'm, yeah, to I'm off the, to. To keep the draft out of your scrawny old neck. Well, I tell you, I had two really good conversations with my idols about aging in Hollywood, and one was Michael Caine, and the other was Clint. Wow. And both lovely, lovely, obviously, beloved men, and um, have been very nice to me over, never worked with either one of them, but have been very nice to me over my my life. And um, Clint, I think, is 90 now, something. Still making a movie every year. Yeah, and I- uh, It's one of a kind. I um I asked him I said how do you do it what is you make a movie a year that's really really hard and how do you do it at your age and he leaned into me he said Rob I never let the old man in uh, gosh that's so that's actually it's really touching. really heavy yeah and great and then the other was Michael Caine and uh, and I said how can I be you <laughs> yeah. and he goes well you just have to keep living and you will be. Right. And I thought, well, that's simple enough. Yeah. Because that's the thing is like, that's the next thing is old man parts. Because, dude, 
there are a lot of old man parts that crush. I know. I mean, all all my <laughs> so my kids, young kids, they don't know Michael Caine from anybody. But man, when when Alfred the Butler talks in those Batman movies, right. they know yeah. the shit is going down. No, and they, I, they, they will they will replay. Some men just want to watch the world burn. They will they will replay that scene over and over. And I'm like, because it's Michael Caine, guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's incredible how you can um, you can watch something over and over again. Obviously, we've been doing that for a long, you know, since we got VHSs. But yeah. you know, you started even before that, so your your movie would be out, and then it'd be out of the theater, and then it'd be over. And be over. I know. So, uh, Let me. Um, you, you know who's my new my neighbor these days is my favorite of your female co stars of which you went on quite a run, young man, uh, with with the hotties is Cameron Diaz. Oh, what uh, what an amazing person! Oh, I'm so oh. glad. Are you acquainted with her? Do you are, are you neighbor? Uh, we see each other, and and her husband Benji <laughs> yeah. is, is cost me a lot of money because he's got me into watch collecting. Oh, dad. So this. So this is this is the one that Benji. Uh, I wish like, I could. I wish I could the, zoom in yeah, on it's, this. It's zoom. a good one, but uh, ben, Benji's got me into. He's got, he's got me in some very very expensive habits, uh, uh, and that that being number one. But boy, Cameron Diaz. Well, is Cameron just Diaz a, a is a down to earth person. I, I'm telling you, he's he's probably got a lot of extra money left over for watches because uh, she seems to roll uh, just in the happy zone. And um, I love her intensely. I can, I, I can think of every moment I spent with her. I can't, yep. I can't forget a single one of them. So, when yeah, when you're, I will, t- uh, I will give her. Yeah, I will give her your your best. I was um, gonna make up some scenario where you're walking your dog or whatever, bringing your groceries in. Please give her my love, um, and I'll text sure. her and say same. Now tell me, you're in the new screen. You, you've entered one of the great franchises of all time. Yeah, you're incredible. in the new scream. Yeah. Welcome to Scream, Screamology, Screamopolis. The um, Scream universe, as the they call it now, The universe of right? Scream, yeah. It's kind of amazing. The, uh, of course, the fan base is already there. Uh, this has happened to me one other time when I joined Shameless, which was already a hit show. So it's a very distinct yep. sensation. I've only helped, felt twice. All of the hard work is already That's done. That's right. Um, every That's other right. job I've ever had, you know, like building a boat, you just hope it doesn't sink. And if you get to the other side without, then that's good. There's no like life once you get over the it's just the boat uh, yeah, so sure. they crushed it in scream five and reestablished the franchise i think it's uh i, I yeah thank goodness i never had to be good at math <laughs> oh me neither uh, I but it's 25 or some years since they did it uh originally sure, Jesus. um wow. and they they remounted it with melissa barrera jenna ortega in the lead with mason gooding and jasmine savoy brown in the um in the four leads that are once again being uh, chased around by Ghostface, um so it's one of those slasher movies where the guy has a mask that uh, you know have been happening since the first one of these or uh, from yep. those uh, off tune uh, movies of this eighties really is when slasher horror yep. came back strong and hasn't left. Jen Ortega, boy, she's having a moment, isn't she? I mean, whoa, whoa, whoa! I mean, just blown up. Well, they're going to stumble on it eventually, I'm sure. I didn't know her very well, uh, but I was already in a hit uh, horror franchise with Jenna Ortega, but she was 11, um, and she lived next door to me. Um, Come on. In, in um, Insidious, number three. 
So there, <laughs> there's a still photo from that set that is bound to be unearthed before Isn't you that know amazing? it. So she's, she's been doing it since she's 11 and it took, and now she's what, 20, 20, I 10, believe, year, 10 years. Yeah. Right in there. But she was the one to fill me in on that and show me the picture. So that's super charming to begin with. Yeah. But this is an extraordinary person. I almost can't even, there's a reason what's happening with her is because, um, She's exceptional in every way that you can imagine. Can't, can't say enough. Can't say it better yeah. than that. She really seems like she is um, so purposeful. Sometimes you feel like somebody's really supposed to be doing what they're doing, and she's got that in spades. Yeah, her Wednesday is such a hit for, for Netflix there. Oh, yeah. And I got to compare notes on her, on her cello playing, of course. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah, she nailed it. Only the smartest, finest people play the cello. I am now, I am now learning. It's it's hard to fake playing the cello, and to go on record, and she she really nailed it. She did a great job. Are there some? Other, oh, you might have been one of the first people to, to hold win, a condom on camera hold, on a network television. Yes, in fact, I was Rob. That's a very obscure fact, but it's funny that you would bring it up. Really, that's a good fact. <laughs> What prompted you to hold a condom on network television? Well, can you imagine the meetings they had about that? That's 1980. Yes, I can. Seven, probably 1987. It's probably really my second, third TV movie called Daddy. You'll remember it. Patricia Arquette was a teen mother. I was the father. We were high schoolers. Uh, Danny Aiello was the coach. John Carlin played the you dad. You use one of these, little lady. Yeah. Is that yeah. What you, was that the scene? Well, but no. And it was a big moment in um, in television history, whether anyone knows it or not. But that was my hand in the in the scene where the girl's saying, "Well, you have to wear one of these." Awkward insert close up insert of, of condom insert. in palm of hand. Thank you, America. You're welcome. Wow. Wow. <laughs> just say no, or just say yes. Uh, Just say yes to condoms. Yeah, I think that's uh, still the, the wow. going. The going. No, what I was choice. what I was angling at was um, best MTV Movie Award kiss. Yeah, that's that's not nothing. Yeah, um, that listen very. I didn't, I didn't many, know IMDb. Many are called, you. Fewer chosen. You know, it's a big deal. You and Winona Ryder. Yeah, we were nominated, uh, Rob. Oh, I thought you won it. See, no. Do you remember who won it? No, somebody. Um, somebody should quickly Google that. Who's hotter than you and her kissing? We were in an amazing movie called How to Make an American Quilt. Yeah. It wasn't funny. Maybe that's why. Um, but if what you're really angling at is like what it was like to kiss Winona Ryder in uh, mm. 1997, yeah. um, yeah, go ahead. Well, I did ask. a movie with, I did a movie with Winona, Winona Ryder and I played the fiddle. It's not the cello. No, even harder though, Rob. That's impossible. Really hard. Well, you need to watch it. It's called Square Dance, and then you need to tell me if my fiddling made any. How? You know who taught me how to play the fiddle? That's no. this. Da- no. David Lindley. No. Yep. This is the best. So the studio. This is one of the great things about being an actor. Square Dance. It, square Dance. Yeah, I was. Um, and and uh, so I have to learn how to play the the fiddle and. They go, hey, we're going to find somebody who, who knows their way around a fiddle. They get me David Lindley, who is the yeah. iconic musician, all of Jackson Brown songs you've ever heard. Yeah. And on and on and on. Wow. And, and that was a, a real thrill uh, to take some lessons and just so learn how what, to fake uh, it. So what uh, low era was that? 
This was right after about last night. It was right, right after about last night. So and, uh, right early, so chopped young. Chopped all my all my long, luxurious mullet, uh-huh. hair moose locks off, and uh, played this this part of a, you know, just I don't even know how you describe it, but it was a, it was a, you know intellectually challenged young trailer rat living in, you know, but he but he but he was a brilliant, and and, and it was Winona's first lead. She'd done. Um, it was right before Beetlejuice. Rob, I remember this movie, of course. Jason Robards um, was there too. I, I don't think anybody ever gave you a chance. They didn't, they didn't give you a look at something that had like you know serious actor on it because of uh, what you'd already done, and because they were they were just starting to turn against you. And guess what? They they let uh, let in, but it went stronger female at that point in Hollywood yeah, he's- in young Hollywood. Right. Yeah, he's a. It was a. It was fun. It was Noni's first. Noni, as she was. Oh, uh, bless her! I came back around with you. I'll even pitch it. It's still sitting right out there on your remote control. Um, gone oh, in no, the night. No, I, I'm fine. Wait, put that back up on the screen. I want to see it. I didn't get a chance to read it. I, I my my team is telling me who won. Oh yes, please. Best Kiss winner of 1996. Natasha Henstrich and the alien and. And Anthony Gadira yeah. in Species. In Species. It was like a, a VFX tongue kiss. You remember it? It was awesome. Oh, so totally deserved to win. I don't but think still, so. But still, if you're asking about what it was like to kiss Winona Ryder in 1996, go ahead. How was it? Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're in Hollywood. Well, thank you. So this is so fun to, to catch oh, up with you. I'm, I can't wait yeah, to see you man. and scream and, and, and everything, you know, you're one of my favorites. Same here, um, Rob, for real. Uh, honestly, it was amazing to see your early work uh, recently too. God, that's amazing. How uh, did, how did your um, teenage daughter, what it would, how did she, it's the movie's 40 years old. in love with pony boy as of you're course. supposed to. Oh. Yeah. Like incredible, just pie eyed. Uh, right. Yeah. And also uh, now uh, people their age should be um, absorbing the cinema of it so much more, uh, you know, as a as a part of consuming a movie than I did as a kid. I just took it in until I got into making movies that um, you realize uh, the mastery that's involved in each and every job on those sets that we've grown up on. So here's to all those guys and you, man. Thanks a lot. Oh, thank you. It was great having you. So appreciate it. I can't wait to see you around. He makes me want to play the cello. No, actually, that's not true. If I'm being totally honest, he makes me want to fake play the cello. I want to fake play the shit out of it. I think I could. And he's inspired me to do it. What a nice guy. All right. You got questions? I got answers. Let's hit the lowdown line. Hello, you've reached literally in our lowdown line where you can get the lowdown on all things about me, Rob Lowe. 323-570-4551. So have at it. Here's the beep. Hello, Rob. My name is Linda. I'm calling from the city of Pico Rivera, California. And one question that has just, every time I see the movie, I just think about it, like almost all the time. In St. Elmo's Elmo's Fire, when Alec dunks your head into the toilet because you pissed him off for some reason or another, but the toilet. First, is it a real toilet? Second, is it clean? (laughs) 
or is it dirty? Every every time I see that scene in the movie, I always think that, like, oh, my God. And and lastly, I just want to thank you. Thank you. I, I'm sure, like everyone else, a lot of us have grown up with you. And I just want to thank you for your sharing yourself through your podcast with us and through your work. And a lot of us have just grown up together with you. So I just want to say thank you for all that you do and sharing yourself with us and uh, keep up the work. Thanks, Rob. Have a good one. Oh, thank you. Without people like you, I don't have any of this. So really, thank you. That's very sweet to hear. Uh, I remember that toilet very well. Luckily for me, it was on a set in Warner Brothers Studios that was built and uh, meticulously placed clean water um looking back and watching that movie that's really a dick move that they do to me and we all kind of laugh it off we're like <laughs> i mean i guess it's before that what the, they didn't teach him about bacteria at georgetown i think the saint elmo's fire people needed to spend a little more time in science they wouldn't have been so cavalier with billy hicks's head in the toilet and that of course is uh the same scene where we all, for no apparent reason, huddle up and go, a boogla, 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 ha, 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 which people will quote to me. It's never explained. And I love that the director, Joel Schumacher, let us do that. Because what that was, was something that Emilio and Judd and I were doing regularly as buddies. And Joel thought it was funny and put it in the movie. And what that was, is that was our imitation of these guys that we would see out at the clubs who didn't speak a ton of English, but had Ferraris, lots of money, sending champagne to all the girls, and we were all like, God damn those guys. And they'd be like eyeballing our girlfriends in the corner going, Oh, boogala, 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 ha, ha, ha. So that's, <laughs> that's where that comes from. Uh, <laughs> thanks for calling. And thank you for listening. Um, and there's amazing guests coming up so um get ready next week is going to be another fun one i think thank you as always for listening to the show and please spread the word to all your peeps see you next week you've been listening to literally with rob Lowe, produced by me nick liao with help from associate producer sarah begar researched by Lisa grawl the podcast is executive produced by rob Lowe for low profile Adam Sachs, Jeff Ross, and myself at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson at Stitcher. Booking by Deirdre Dodd, music by Devin Bryant. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Literally with Rob Lowe. This has been a Team Coco production. <laughs>